Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're about to listen to Bananas for Bonanza, episode 13. This is Andy Daly. Hello. Here on this free feed, I'll be re-releasing all of the back episodes of Bananas for Bonanza one every other week. If you want to hear new episodes ad-free, please subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash andydaily. The entire Bananas for Bonanza archive is also waiting for you there, and you can access lots and lots of bonus content. So do that. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy. Yeah! Bonanza, it's the finest show alive. So consult your TV guide, get your great outdoors inside. Take some ponderosa pride and forever make it right. I'm bananas for bonanza. Here we go. You ready, Brian? I'm going to start off with a yeehaw this time. I think I'll give that a try. How about it? Here we go. Yeehaw! Yeah! Hot damn! That's Mutt Taylor firing a bullet. Now, Mutt, your new thing is you fire at the top of the show each time. Here's what we've fallen into. None of this was planned. I say a yeehaw, and then you fire a bullet into the ceiling or the sky, depending on whether you're inside or outside. And that bullet has a name on it of a of a listener. Isn't that That's right? right. And this uh, this week is Lance Corporal Jessup Montgomery, who's one of the Blue Angels, and he says, "Can you put one up there and take down my F-15 Tomcat?" And I says, "Hell, I can." And I do see it is crashing to the ground right now. What'd you fire? What kind of what kind of ammunition? The weaponry you're firing over? It's called a jet killer. And it's a special kind of hollow point wad cutting man stopper that I make in the back of my shipping container. It's a it's a sort of a artist artisanal bullet. Hell, you don't need to hear about that. Hot damn. What a treat for that Lance Corporal. What a way to go out. Shot out of the sky by Mutt Taylor, legendary uh, guitarsman for the journeyman. Uh, That's him there. And Amy Sleverson is here as well. Hello, Amy. Christian entrepreneur. I am yes, I've started online payday loans. Oh yeah. For Christians who need cash. You yep. know, when because you have to have faith 
that you're going to make it to, you're going to make enough money for rent but sometimes god works just in time at 7.9.5% interest rate wow that's a high that's a high interest rate isn't that kind of high well it actually yeah. starts out at 23% and then 7.9% if you become a good customer over time. Oh, I see. So you're doing payday loans. So somebody, uh, what does that mean? I come, to, I get my paycheck from a job. I'll bring it down to yes. you because yes. I got bills that was due yesterday. I don't have time $200 for this. $200 from TJ Maxx. There you go. I don't have time to wait for this check to clear and do all the, all the fancy stuff the bankers is doing. I need to get that money to TJ Maxx now. And and you can't trust the banks. So you you go, I go, oh, let me take your check. And then I say, yeah. well, can I have maybe like $10 of it? And then you got to pay it back to me within like a week. Otherwise, you owe me $200 okay. <gasps> or $200 more. Like four Twitter. Anyways, yeah. the math is it's very it's biblical. Oh, it um, is. The numbers all line up to the Bible. Numbers all line up. Um, yeah. I could sh show you in an in my office environment. Yeah, I know you don't. I don't need to hear all the numbers now. But this is only for Christians. Is that correct? It's a specific. Oh yes, word. it's only right. for Christians, and we do do you know some prayer. Uh, as mm -hmm. well as if you want a hymn sung, um, yeah. we can do that as well. What do you call it? What's the name of the business? Just go give give a quick plug and we'll move on. <laughs> What's Christian the name Cash. Of the Christian, Christian Cash. Cash. All right. If you are uh, low on cash, TJ Maxx breathing down your neck, head on down to Christian Cash, say a prayer, sing a hymn, get some cash. All right. Good. See, that one did a little plug for you. All right. Hey, wait. I got to say the thing I say at the beginning of every one of these episodes. I say, hello, friend. Come on. On in the gate is open wide. Welcome to Bananas for Bonanza, where we talk about America's television show Bonanza, and we talk about it episode by episode. And if you're looking for a podcast that does a deep dive on all 431 episodes of the classic TV show Bonanza, you have come to the right place. And if that's not what you're looking for, you get the hell out. God damn it! Maybe you prefer the the Ted Radio Hour or the Radio Lab what? or some other. Who's Ted? City Slickum. Well, I done uh, did a search for popular podcast list, and we're not on it. God damn it! I see all this other bull crap on there. We ain't on the list. I don't know how they made that list. But today we're going to be talking about season one, episode thirteen of Bonanza. It's called Vendetta. Oh, and man. this is the one that Amy Sleverson accidentally watched a few weeks ago. <laughs> so she's had plenty of time to so stew good. on it. It's a good so one. Good. It's so as a matter of fact, it might be perfect. It's life changing. I changed yeah. my life. Oh, well, give us one example of how it changed your life real quick, because I'm dying to get to our guest. I took a bath. OK. <laughs> mm. This episode inspired you to take a bath. Man, yeah. that's a powerful episode. Folks, let me tell you something. I, I, I can't even tell you how excited oh, I am boy. and how bewildered and, and enticed and, and amused. I, none of those are the right word. Uh, with how wonderful it is to have this guest on our show today, this fella, goddamn, he oh. he created the television show True Detective. You, you know, know that you know that show? Hell, I do. Are you kidding? I've seen every one of the three seasons I... multiple times. I'll tell wow. you what: there are three writers in this world that I will ever open and crack a book to. That's you, Dalton, yeah. of course. Yeah, of course. That's Nick Pizzolatto. Yeah. And that's whoever wrote the owner's manual to my Peterbilt hybrid Kenworth 
tractor trailer rig. That guy yeah. knows how to use some flowery pros. Let me tell you, it's purple pros. I've heard about that owner's manual. It's the most beautiful owner's manual in the world. But they, you've gone and buried right in there in your list of three. Today's guest, ladies oh and gentlemen, please welcome an actual man of the West, Nick Pizzolatto. What's going on, Nick? I'm just super glad to be here, and thank you, and thank you guys for having this show and having me on. You know, I, oh, man. I, I appreciate the introduction, but I think we should all be careful not to, uh, you know, place any kind of place too high a value on writing, really, oh, and really? and and the people that do it. I mean, I, I you're kinda, a writer, I mean, right? One of, one of the reasons I admire your work so much is uh -huh. because you know there's so many blank pages because I think that's the right idea. That's right. Um, and, and, and then blank pages are about all that, that people's brains can handle right now, uh, given the attention span and whatnot, but, uh, super glad to be here with you all. And, and I mean, when I discovered this show and, you know, I was like, this, this is the church of what's happening right now <laughs> and, God. and more people need to hear it and, and, you know, anything I can do and, and just to be a part of it. I mean, you know, uh, this, this this may have been the last uh, checklist of my ambition box when when I you know I first heard you guys show the the values espoused the the, the, the sort of um, cherished uh, nature of history yeah. uh, to to the show I I thought I got to meet these guys I gotta gotta find some way to. To, to commune with them and and just to be a part of it, I'm I'm thrilled. I wow. I, uh, I stopped drinking an hour and a half ago, so I'd be clear headed. <laughs> Did you call us the Church of What's Happening Now, which was the sitcom reboot of What's Happening? Now was that? Did you call us the I Church thought, of What's I Happening Now? I thought I now? took that. Yes. Oh, well, well that's that one of the, the nicest things of what's happening now. anyone's ever said to me. That's one of the nicest things, because I revered that sitcom. And not the inferior what's happening, but the what's yeah. happening now, second one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. wondering if you could take a look at my, I'm self-publishing a women's version of the Bible, and I'm rewriting it from the point of view of a romance from all, it's all from the women's point of view. Really? Well, from um, that's that's a good idea. Don't those don't most of those romances end pretty bad for the women? Though <laughs> no, the narration must have to keep getting handed off, right? Well, from woman to woman. You, yeah. You, yeah. If so you're watching then, Bonanza, yeah, no, you you unless you're talking term. about Mary, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, anything well, you do, thing. Amy, I'm on board. That's the thing is like I'm gonna punch it up with you know, like our 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 tent became like a rocket ship and we came in synchronous apocalypse. Oh. You know, like the other version That's a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sex, 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 sex. That's exactly well, you're gonna punch up the Bible and make it a little more arousing and erotic. I think that's a fine idea. Just so you know that women. when the Lot's daughters got their father drunk and raped him, oh, that yeah. it was it was fun and games. It was hot, right? <laughs> Every yeah, time you remind me. Yeah, every time you remind me that Lot's daughters raped him, I I have forgotten it since the last time, and it it surprises me anew every time. <laughs> it always get, takes me by surprise somehow. 
I'm it's not a, sure I caught that the first time. No, and right now, I'm women a little, have always yeah. raped men when they were drunk. Oh, uh-huh. that's how we get the seed of of Lord Jesus Christ and Christians into the next uh, millennium. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Nick's right Sorry. on board with you. Yeah, now, Nick, now I understand you, because you are, I mean, you've got to say it, what you do for a living, my friend, unless I'm mistaken, is you're a writer. I know, I know, I know, you know, um, I'm not exactly proud of it, though. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I, I kind of think you, you, you might agree with me uh, on, on some level. Mm. You know, I remember my father telling me, the the writing is no kind of profession for a man and and i i've always agreed with that i still have a problem calling it writing i mean they what, you know what do you prefer give to awards call it? for writing they do don't they uh, manipulating i i call it manipulating people with the alphabet wow and oh, yeah. you know i think that kind Are of dismisses sure the mystique a little bit uh but- you know if there's something worse than a writer it it, it might be a philosopher but I don't know. You know, I, I, it, it may be at this late stage in life, I have become that which I detest. It could and, be a podcaster. Yeah, that well, might be lower than philosopher. Hey, I never thought no, about that. No, it's not. I, I never thought about that when you're writing. You're you're only using those all them letters of the alphabet. Isn't that something? And there's only about four. Well, yeah, that's all. And, oh, yeah. 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 I, right? never thought, I just never thought about it that think, way. That writing involves that. Yeah, alphabet. it's like... There's like 30 or something, and yeah, that's all you're doing. You're just rearranging these 30-something symbols to, to make people, you know, believe, you know, stuff that isn't true, basically. What if you ever uh, use numbers, or is that just math? Oh, yeah. Can you put a number in a book? That's a good question, but <sighs> Wow. That, well, see, that's always stumped me, because I never know. Do, do I put the number down or do I spell the number? Oh shit! And 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 so then what I've done is just avoid them altogether as much as I can. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Although they they put them on the pages, so they. The, uh, I mean that that's what I mean though. There's a whole mess if you start untangling the ball of yarn. Yep, yep. The book company will do that. That happened to me when I got my book. I said, "What are all these goddamn numbers in the corners of the pages, you sons of bitches? We never talked about that." Yeah. <laughs> I was um, furious. Arabic numbers. Well, yeah. I'm not saying anything. Just yeah, I don't know if you guys are aware of that. They they snuck that in. Yeah, because they got Arabic <laughs> numbers and there's Roman numerals. When do we get American numbers? Yeah, here, That's here. Right. That's here, right. Here. My Bible is. It's also choose your own adventure. <laughs> oh, uh, really? So yeah, you get to one part and you go, oh, what would I do? You know, would I kill everybody in in um, all the Philistines? And then if you do, then you you head on back to Esther. <gasps> what can you be? Would it be a choice to be? I'm Noah, and I'm I'm only going to bring horses and cows, and forget all the rest of the animals. Yes. That That's a choice. Practice. I could take that, that choice and then option. see what happens after that. What about well, the... I got to add that to my choices because my, my book isn't done yet. The thing is, I don't have a, a deadline because it's self-published. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. Freedom. What about that fella who gets raped by all his daughters? Could he choose not to? 
Well, that's that's a main point in the Bible. Oh. It's how how men have constantly been sexually assaulted <laughs> by women, and mostly women they know. Oh, of course. That's what I heard. It's always someone you know. We've all been there. Yep. Yeah. We <clears throat> canceled. Hey, Nick. When what did, when what did your father want you to do go, for a living? Did he have a preference for you to what you was going to do? Well, he always suggested I wasn't good f- for much of anything, uh-huh. and um, but heavy lifting uh, seemed to like that was sort of his venue. He thought uh, I could have stuck with construction, not actually constructing anything, but like being the guy who uh, pushes a wheelbarrow full of bricks and stuff, and oh, yeah. you know maybe the other guys yell at or a garbage collector. He mentioned. Um, yep. yeah, well, those are now, all, it, that's work for a man. He thought bounty hunter was the highest profession oh. you could have, but he, he told me I didn't have the stomach for it. And, and yeah, he's probably right. Uh, he's I right was once a bounty things. hunter. It's a true story. I was a bounty hunter and then the bounty came in on me and I turned myself in and let myself go and made a ton of money. It's a great scheme. Uh, Amy, you should consider that too as one of your business. I, I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. That's not a bad idea to be a, to be the the hunter and the prey at the same time. Saves a lot of time. Cut out yeah. the middleman. That's what you did. <laughs> I like that. Close circuit. Perfect yeah. circle. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, Nick, I'm so glad that we, we finally have a proper uh, admirer of this podcast on as a guest. It seems yeah. like we've had a lot of people mm-hmm. on here who barely heard of it and don't, or, or are openly hostile to it. So I'm, I'm delighted. And uh, are you also a, a big old fan of Bonanza as well? You, you like television show Bonanza? Well, I, I mean, I haven't seen all 400 and whatnot episodes. But, um, you know, I've found that's not exactly necessary in order to appreciate it because so many of them seem to repeat the stories. But, uh, yeah, I I, I guess I'm a fan of the values, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, fathers, sons, uh, the the mothers have kind of been pushed off to the side a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that's why these three guys have grown up to be – such commanding presences as men, I think, is like, well, how did those Cartwright boys turn out so good? Well, they didn't have moms. That's that's how. (laughs) And they can Uh, leave whenever I I do. I have a question. Yeah. The men can leave whenever they want. There's (laughs) unexplained absences of men during their own show. (laughs) In this one especially. Half the Cartwrights are good. Yeah. I began to wonder, is there an episode where they're all in a story together? Season seven. Or was that like the, the season finales or something? Yeah. Well, that's right. I was going to say this episode has everything. It's got gunfire, betrayal, guerrilla warfare, and the complete absence of half of the regular cast. It's, this is a classic yes. Bonanza episode. Two of the cast members are dispatched with in the very first scene, as so often happens on this show. I was going to ask you, when you was writing that uh, True Detective, did that ever happen to you that you write a whole story for an episode and then you suddenly go, oh, crap, this one cannot accommodate Woody Harrelson? And you got to send him yeah, out to California? Or well, like it, 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 things like that would happen, but it was more about, you know, somebody not showing up on the day. And uh, so then you got to then you have to re-manipulate the alphabet really fast. So that, well, now this scene just has one of the guys in it, or now this scene doesn't have anybody in it, or, 
you know, whatever. It's it's just you, you got to work on the fly like that. But but with actors, um, you know, you really got to stay flexible because uh, they're they're not too linear in their uh. thinking and um, you know calendar keeping. But I don't blame them. I blame numbers because uh, mm-hmm. that's what the damn calendar is made out of. Right. So yeah, things like that. Sometimes you just have to shoot a scene with nobody in it because nobody came to work that day. That happens. Those are called establishing shots, actually. And sometimes you got to make a whole episode of establishing (laughs) shots. It's just a bunch of goddamn landscape. Ask David Attenborough. All those had casts. Planet Earth began as a remake of Ben-Hur. I don't even (laughs) think people know that. I had no idea of that. That's amazing. No. And none of the actors showed up, so they just said, well, I don't know. We are not. We can't can't waste the day. Just roll on the ocean. The Earth is Yeah, they got sky. all these high-def yeah. cameras. Yeah. yeah. And so before they knew it, the, the landscape was a star. And, and now I, I think people have started figuring out this year, we actually don't need actors. Yeah. We, we just... You know, we, we, we just need something to take pictures and something to send it to people who are sitting around watching pictures. Maybe we can agree on this. Podcaster, philosopher, writer still ain't as bad as being an actor. Here, here. Here, here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a real problematic one. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if you notice that the clock played a real role in this this episode that we we meet the clock time was the star of this episode time 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 itself very well said hey i also want to ask you before we get uh, too in-depth on the episode which i can't wait to do uh uh nick did you it says here you wrote the, uh, the remake of the magnificent seven is that true did you have something to do with that uh, yeah, um, Man. yeah, uh, I did, and um, I think they brought in like four or five writers after me, which was fine. And uh, and then well, I was kind have of surprised my name writers. was on it at the end. Don't they need to have? <laughs> yeah, something like that. It, it it yeah that that you know because I hadn't done TV that way, but it turned out in the movie. Yeah, they were like, we love this script. Let's make this movie. Yeah. Um, and then but but we're going to need five other writers. Uh, so that was interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I turned it in and then I didn't have anything else to do with it. That's how I like to do it yeah. is, um, I give you paper, you give me paper and we don't need to talk about this again. And the I paper thought they give we you should mention on it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, we should yeah. mention that. Didn't you also, Nick, work on the Deadwood movie? Because we got a big rivalry with the Deadwood podcast uh, called Deadwood Boys. Ooh, yeah. Well, I mean... Yeah, just for a couple of weeks, and that was more about uh, hanging out with uh, Dave Milch, who mm-hmm. who I really enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to go make my own thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you guys shouldn't sweat it. Deadwood had what twenty something episodes That's in, right. in a movie. I mean, yeah. what's twenty something <laughs> versus four hundred? Yeah. Like you, you guys could lose three hundred episodes and you still win. <laughs> I like that. You're right. And we're about just that. getting, we're just getting started on our pharmaceutical merch. Oh yeah. Oh, no, I, I wouldn't mind hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. different kinds of you know poultices and non. A 
approved just you know things where I'm just starting I'm just starting with my pill production I don't even know what I'm doing but yeah the FDA hadn't come anywhere near your poultices no no I'm real big on those alternative yeah I'm real big on those alternative pharmaceuticals too I think that's fabulous um yeah where you you're gonna have uh like cocaine and um MDMA, things like that, from well, a no, Christian standpoint. I would love to get I some get, Christian cocaine. Yeah. Oh, it's, recycled yeah, it's medical the best kind. Waste. Oh. Recycled medical mm. waste that, um, because, you know, sometimes our our uh, healthcare system is overwhelmed oh. by waste. And so I, t- you know, so, so extra pills, um, you know, other things that come with that, mm. uh, make them into to powders and unguents and jams and jellies and sauces and salsas and foams and soups and smoothing milks. You'll make a salsa Amazing. or a foam out of some uh, uh, medical waste. Well, it's now it's it's a natural it's a natural um Substances is is healthcare. It's, yeah, it's. Where do you get your hands? Crush like them up and snort them. Oh yeah. We you can you can, um, yeah. but it's 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 all in just really it's cute. It's all about the packaging. <gasps> it's cute. It's really cute packaging with gold leaf. What's smooth in milk? That ever come straight from the teat? Well, that yeah, it's it is a milk, um, but it's genuinely um, thing something that kind of looks like milk, but comes out of the human body, and then we gather as much as we have of it, and that's just me. I'm just talking about myself in the garage, and then I I pour it into little. You can at Michael's craft store, you can get these little bottles that look kind of mm-hmm. like like a little drugstore bottle, oh. uh, but they're cute. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Where do you get the medical waste? I'm just curious to know. What's your source? Oh, it's just out there. It's out there. I'll go to your local hospital. It's out there in a big, you know, blue bin. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. Well, I'm go- I'll, I'll do that this afternoon, and I'll send it to you. I'll help just trying to help out. I'll send you some medical waste. Yeah, because, I mean, it's the hospitals that keep the pharmacies, like, locked up tight, I can tell you. So I was wondering about that myself, but but you're doing the Okay. Not if you have a niece who's in nursing. Oh, (laughs) nice. She's an an assistant. She just got her assistant nursing certificate. And so, so I get to craft. (laughs) <laughs> good for you nurse crafting well all right M- marvelous so i think uh uh that's good i think we sh- we could start talking about the episode normally what we do is we take a little break and then we come back and we dig deep into the episode you guys ready to do that hell yes okay i am uh i'd like to talk to you about monsters at some point but we can wait i have been talking. I, 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 I'm not supposed to talk about monsters on this podcast, but uh, I think there might. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Bullshit. So when we come back from the break, um, Nick and me is going to talk about monsters. And then we're also going to talk about episode 13, season one, Bonanza, the Vendetta, except without the word the. It's just Vendetta. Okay, we'll be back. (laughs) 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, folks, we're back. Oh, my goodness. I hope you made good use of that break because, uh, man, this is a hell of an episode we're going to talk about. Now, Nick, you wanted to talk. We could touch briefly on the subject of monsters, which I have been told time and time again in no uncertain turns. I must absolutely not discuss on this podcast. But did you have a specific- uh, I, I just think that's another aspect of your courage and your moral fortitude yeah. in, in facing these things down is something I, I mean, I really admire about you. And, and yep. uh, you know, so. One of the ones I wanted to ask you about that, that I, I don't think I've heard you bring up, but but I'm starting to think there's way more of these than than I ever suspected is body snatchers. Oh, holy! Do you know about body snatchers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. What's the story? So, with body so this snatcher? occurred to me. Yeah, yep. yep well, okay. So they're alien pods that, yeah. that come and and you don't know where or when, but well, at some point. Yeah, they oh, come in the fifties and the seventies, but that's that's it. There you go. <laughs> and it happens a lot at curves. <laughs> you're just switching stations, and you're going from abs to legs, and all of a sudden, where did I go? Really, this is worse than I thought. So you're yeah. saying we've had an attack of these I, in the fifties and in the seventies? I'd say we're more than due. Right. Yeah, and, and and they didn't go anywhere. You know, they're still out there. And, and what they do is they replace somebody you knew with somebody that looks and, and talks just like the person you knew, but, yeah. but it's not them. And, yeah, and and so I, I was kind of wondering if, if, if you've been, you know, if, if, if you have noticed anything like that, because this occurred to me. You know, I had this girlfriend last year, yeah. and – um. Things were real good about the first three months. Uh, uh, things were very affectionate, you know, like like sure. good, good physical chemistry and stuff like that. And then, you know, something a happened. You're trying to say a lot of fucking. Well, I, I don't like to be crude. Um, oh, right. But no, that that actually isn't what I was talking about. Oh, all right, all right. That, that's another but story. But you rode um, her hard and put her away wet. Yeah, you got some smooth and milk. <laughs> oh, Anyway, Nick, what was you well, saying? So three months, three months, everything's going fine with well, his girlfriend. Yeah, but then you know, um, uh, 
three or four months, um, the, 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 the sort of affection I had been enjoying seemed, seemed to lessen drastically. And, and, and she was being real critical of me a lot, which, yeah. which hadn't happened the first three months. And I started looking around and, and, and I, I chanced upon this documentary called Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about you and I was thinking about body snatchers. And I was thinking about how, I mean, you know, when we met, she used to like walk in the room and seem happy that I was there, and, mm-hmm. you know, give me a hug and a kiss or something. And now it, it, it just, you know, she'd walk in the room and, and uh, start telling me I was doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided she had been body snatched. Yeah. And then I had another friend of mine, a friend of mine was talking about his, his son, who he always had a beautiful relationship with, according to him. Yeah. And uh, sometime, you know, it, it's, all of a sudden his son started like hating him. And uh, he said it was around, you know, when he turned 13 yeah. and the, they had been nothing but buddies. And now his son, you know, did, Angry at him all the time, didn't appreciate him, uh, slammed doors. Uh, yeah. And and I sat him down, and yeah, I sat him down, poured him a glass, and said, you know, buddy, I hate to tell you this, but uh, Rhett's been body snatched. Jesus Christ. And and that's not your son. Now, and, what happens? What happened to the real son then? Because I understand he's been replaced by someone that looks just like him, but is really an alien. What do the aliens do with the real son? They just need my understanding, yeah, it's my understanding they the the plants probe them, then devour them, okay, uh, like a Venus fly trap or something. Uh-huh. So it's not like you're gonna be able to find the real person. You're just living with a body snatched alien. And what does I it want to was... do? Does it want to kill you eventually? Seems like they just want to criticize you a lot, but uh-huh. maybe that's how it starts. I didn't, I didn't let it get that far. Yep, yep. But, You've got to take yeah. matters into hand. I was taken Absolutely. over by a horse demon, Whoa. and oh. I, I knew it was happening. And the horse skeletal head filled my head, but it also had uh, Dracula teeth. But it was also a horse. But it was also a skeleton, and I oh. could see it happening and my husband says what's going on why are you being such an you know so crabby and um and then i came back in my body and the horse demon went away wow that's terrifying and we were at a we were at a steakhouse really were you had you been handling any of that medical waste uh (laughs) around that time i'm just curious no but i had been at curves I oh, just joined Curves. Uh, Stay away from that Curves. Well, you know what? Um, this is making me think, Nick, because I, I don't uh, I don't know if I've told the listeners here that I'm now, where I'm living is in an underground house in a national park, and I'm uh, building it out with uh, Phyllis Dietis. Philip Dietisheimer's uh, honeycomb timbering method. I'm just having a gigantic underground house, and I brought in some guys to help me dig it, and it's real interesting that you say this because when they first came on the job, they was like, oh, yes, Mr. Wilcox, yes, Mr. Wilcox, all excited. And then after a few weeks, and, you know, I'm not paying them or anything like that, and I don't have food for them or water, they start getting all kind of talking about hunger and thirst and money and all that. You think they might have been body snatched? Yeah. yeah it sounds pretty likely to me. 
I, I mean, I, I think that I think that's that that's got to be our default now. When 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 yep. somebody just changes their character like that, and and the good news is, well, you don't have to worry about paying or feeding uh, space aliens that have uh, yeah. body snatched your your workers. How do you kill? Uh, all you got to do is. I, pretty much the same way you kill uh, anybody else. I just think. a regular person. You just pray. I mean, they smother pretty good. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Well, I guess I know what I'm doing later this afternoon. Smothering a bunch of aliens. Okay. Here, here. Yep. Well, I've I've, I've got my alien smothering shoes on. Luckily <laughs> enough. Well, all right, folks. What do you say we get into vendetta? This episode yeah. of Bonanza, it's a real good mm. one. I like to tell you a little bit of trivia about the people's involved in this episode. This episode was directed by a fellow named Joseph Kane, who directed a movie called The Great Train Robbery in 1941. Ooh. I've heard of that. Anyways, it was written by a guy named Robert Thompson, who wrote a movie called They Shoot Horses, Don't They, in 1969. Ooh. I've heard of that. This movie, I'll tell you how they describe it. They say, the lives of a disparate group of contestants intertwined in an inhumanely grueling dance marathon. How does that sound? That is a bait-and-switch title. Let me it tell you. sure is. It is. I, you expect to see a movie all about shooting horses. I'd go see that. But it's about an inhumanely grueling dance marathon. I mean, I'm curious. Yeah, I've seen that. There's not a horse in sight. <laughs> But you know who is in that movie? That goddamn Grandpa Al Lewis. He plays a character named Turkey. And, oh, uh, son of a bitch. Oh, yeah, that show makes me mad. That goddamn Munster show. Goddamn. Oh. This episode has a guest appearance by an actress by the name of Whitney Blake. She plays Ann Samuels, the uh, bar bartendress or whatever, and, who helps out Ben Cartwright. And listen to this. Whitney Blake would later go on to create the television program one day at a time. I wondered about that because I looked on IMDb, uh, mm -hmm. the analog version, which exists as a giant type of phone book in my yeah. shipping container. And yeah. it said that she was a writer on the current reboot of One oh. Day at a Time. I couldn't wrap my head around that. Now it Because makes she's dead. Sense. That's hard yeah. because she's dead. Yeah, I see. She can't write. Well, right. that tells you anything you need to know about writing right there, right? right. A, a dead person can do it. Oh, a shit. dead person. Yeah. I mean, how many things can a dead person do? Right. I can so they can write a television show. That's right. Holy yeah, shit. they can bite your neck. They can rise out of a tomb and come after their amulet. There's a few things that people can do. But uh, yeah, writing a TV show shouldn't be one of them, but it is. And I was thinking, if you if you think about it, and you, and you think about it just the right way, one day at a time is practically a female bonanza. <gasps> right. Wow. Oh, oh, wow. And Schneider's and hop Schneider's scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Especially in them later seasons, because they had that cousin come stay with him or whatever that boy was, and he's oh, kind of yeah. like a little Joe. That's right. Yeah. I remember that fella. Yep. So uh I mean you gotta you gotta squint your eyes to see it, but it is. Yeah. It's a female uh bonanza. Uh and then there's a couple other people in there too, but who cares? All right, let's get in. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, okay, folks, as we were saying, the very first scene of this episode is a very quick perfunctory scene for the purpose of getting rid of Adam <laughs> and Joe. They're headed off to California <laughs> to buy some cattle because this story cannot accommodate four cart rides. They just can't, couldn't do it. There's no way. And I get it because if, you, if you'd had all four cart rides there, it would have been problem solved too quickly in the episode. You know what yeah. I mean? Unless you doubled the amount of bank robbers, but never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I guess there's a way to do it. But but uh uh so anyways, yeah, they they leave town and then pretty much the second they are out of camera shot, in comes this band of bank robbers. And I think I think uh Adam and Joe would have seen them would have passed by them on the way out of town, like pass right by them. But anyway, these bank robbers come in and they happen to decide to rob the bank where Ben and Haas is doing some banking business. Oh, and, no. Yep. And ben, yep. Yeah, and Ben, I mean, he says, okay, no problem. It's just money, whatever. And he tells Haas, you know, don't get any notions. But Haas, as we've discussed many times, is as simple as a child or a gorilla or some other such thing that ain't got smarts. And he just can't help but intervene, pulls out his gun, and then uh, Ben Cartwright sort of tries to stop him. I mean, the two of them together but just made, between the two of them, terrible decisions. Yeah, he tried to stop him only so he could quickly pull out his gun and do the same thing. <laughs> You're right, <laughs> goddammit. We got Haas pull out his gun, and he gets a and shot And gets off. shot in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have said if Haas shot first, he could have got the jump on him. None of this problem would have happened, but Lauren Green's got to micromanage every goddamn thing. Uh, yet the yeah. two of them made terrible decisions, and the upshot of it was that one of the bank robbers is badly injured. And as you say, that's right. Ben Cartwright got shot right in the heart, didn't he? <laughs> it sure looked that but way. Then he got to get into whore hospice. <laughs> yeah, mm. which is also that's the same mean. woman's room that has been used in every goddamn episode when they go to a woman in a room. They just put up new wallpaper. Oh, she's well. That brought up an interesting question for me mm. because you know it seemed like uh, Ben and this woman had a had a kind of history between them. Um, just how many saloon whores does Ben Cartwright have a, a deep history with? And and then I got to thinking. Well, wait a minute. We got these three dead wives. You know, the mothers of the boys. Well. What if that's just a cover story? What if there's no dead wives? What if three dead wives were three living saloon hookers? And oh. and he just can't tell them. So and and that would maybe make Julia Boulay from you know episode uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, she would have been. She might have been little Joe. Oh my god! When oh, he god. says, "You look just like they described." Oh my, my god! And what if right? it was all immaculate conception? Whoa. Well, well, those are two it. very different theories. Wait, you so you're on. saying Mary's a saloon whore? Are you saying Mary's a saloon whore? Yes. Well, yes. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying that it's a great business idea to have. But does that make Ben a sucker like Joseph? Yes. Yeah. I feel okay. bad for Joseph. He's he's the biggest dupe in all history. Yeah, he but really man, yeah. health aides also could be retired whores oh. who not only know how to entertain you, but can also change a bedpan. 
She is. She is very useful lady. But man, Nick, I, that theory is blowing my mind because you're absolutely right. This is at least the third uh, a, a disreputable woman that Ben Cartwright has got some prior history with that they talk about like the old days between the two of them. And yeah, yeah. And you imagine if just he has knocked up three different women who he cast aside and uh, then he has had the nerve to tell his boys, I'm sorry, your mother died. Well, that's what you're yeah. basically saying. And uh, that's what I'm saying. Because if you also notice all these saloon hookers that, that that he's so close to, you know, it's not like he lifted any of them out of, of their lifestyle as, as saloon hookers. That's it was, uh, you know, like apparently he left them right where he found them. Yep. Maybe, uh, you know, he took, he took the kid and left. Yeah, and they might have been in better stations, and then when he left them, they had no recourse but to become a saloon hooker. He could oh, have left them worse. Oh, my goodness. This is shocking stuff. You got Yeah, it. that's true. Maybe they didn't start out that way. Maybe the but, saloon hookers were his ex-wives. Oh. And could it be also possibly to confuse it further <laughs> they could be sexual surrogates because on the west there weren't many women and these men they just grew uncomfortable and uncertain around women's bodies and so these w- women took it upon themselves to serve the population that's beautiful i've never heard of a sexual surrogate before what does that mean you're with somebody that doesn't want to fuck you anymore so you find somebody else what is it yeah you you find someone who's who's patient like someone who isn't been taken over by a horse demon and is just kind and gentle and doesn't have any expectations of you amy has your husband uh, has your husband taken on a sexual surrogate is that what you're trying to tell us (laughs) I'm just saying that I, I could have a, I could send him somewhere for like to get serviced, okay. you know. Yeah, every once in a while, you got to send. Would that make things easier or harder? Mm-hmm. Easier! Oh my God! Take something off my to-do list. Amy, not to put something back on your to-dos, but have you ever thought of starting up a Christian sexual surrogate program? Because that just seems right That's up your alley. What I'm not talking about anything that isn't under the banner of heaven. I'm talking about your know, things that would be righteous within God's kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever oh, I Christian say concubine. a business idea. Christian yeah. concubine. I like that name. It's got that alliteration that you still want to put in a book. Well, oh yep. man, we have uh, explored a lot here, and we have impugned the character of Ben Cartwright uh, I- extraordinarily. But and yet at the same time, I can, if it's true, I respect. But it. did we? You're yeah. right. I know what you're saying. Yeah, right. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it makes him a liar, but it makes him a liar in service of his pecker, which I don't mind. <laughs> so, well, and what's he going to do? Let a hooker raise his kid? Man, you're. You've seen all the angles, this guy. Man, oh, man. Right. Good point. You got a good point. Well, so, and, oh, yeah, this showgirl, Anne, she makes it clear that she owes Ben a favor. And so she takes him up to her uh, sort of bordello-style apartment, which, uh, as Mutt points out, is, <laughs> this is where all the ladies live. And uh, 
And then that's it. And then, okay, a posse is going to be put together. Sheriff has a hard time putting together a posse to go get these guys. But eventually, two two fellas just raise their hands and say, sure, why not? And they all ride out there. And the sheriff says, this is one of the many times in this episode, sheriff says, I'm going to get that because uh, they know who did it. They know it was the Morgans. Carl Morgan is their ringleader. And he says, I'll never forget what that Carl Morgan did to my deputy. So he's got an old grudge against Carl. There's a lot of old grudges in this episode. All right, keep that, tuck that into your brain hat. Now, uh, what else happens? Oh, they do some tracking, and they find them, and then the, we're back at the bad guy camp, and the Morgans are there, and Carl, Carl's got a limp, he says, because of some, uh, he says, you're no better than that prison butcher that hacked up my leg. I think that might count as another old grudge, because I can't think of any other reason that that character might have had a limp. It doesn't have any story <laughs> significance, does it? He must have really had a limp, although he played the 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 motorcycle cop in Psycho. I don't remember him having a limp in that. Uh huh. So I don't know why they would have give that character a limp. I don't know. Uh, but uh, so Billy, the boy that Ben Cartwright shot at the bank, dies, and Carl vows to settle it. And uh, and they know. Yeah. What do you say there, Nick? Well, I, I, isn't it kind of fun how uh, Carl, the guy from the bank, is clearly meant to be dead but they spend about five minutes uh talking over him and and like trying to to like you know pump his heart and, and get him breathing and and get him you know talk about getting him to a doctor and and nothing changes it's not like the guy was alive and then he stops talking suddenly and closes his eyes he was laying there motionless the whole like limp is a rag the whole time and then it was like just after five minutes of talking one of them finally says that's not going to help. He's dead. But as near as I could tell, nothing changed in the guy's composure from the beginning of the scene to the end. I didn't think, it's not like the person who proclaimed him dead didn't do that right after checking his pulse or anything like that. He right. Just, yeah. Yeah. yeah they kind of needed a dying coach on this episode because that other townsfolk who was guilted into going when when he dies, it was clearly just an exercise in how someone falls asleep comfortably. And then. When uh, Carl Morgan dies, that was some kind of... Oh, we're going to play that clip. And I, wow. Because I'm okay, trying to put I'll... my finger on why, what it was about that death that was so <laughs> terrible. But I can't figure it out. But anyway, yeah, you're right. So they ride in. He's unconscious, sloped over a horse. And they talk about they talk about him like he's going to get better. And then in the middle of that conversation, somebody says, well, he's dead. I guess that person <laughs> knew that that whole time. Or they cut know. a scene. I was <laughs> diagnosed with rigor mortis. <laughs> <laughs> you had rigor mortis? That's serious. Yeah. Man, that's terrible. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you got over it. it. I wonder if he had it before he got shot. Oh, yeah. Think that, oh, yeah. Little bit. Because that's a pre-existing condition, and then it's not Ben Cartwright's fault. That's yeah, right. he could have been dying of lupus for like three years, and this just happened to be the day that got him. Yeah. He might never have had a pulse, actually. Well, so, okay, the posse is coming. And uh, the Morgans out there in their encampment are going to plan a little surprise party for the posse. And uh, so this is what happens. The posse rides in and they see one guy standing over the dead body of Billy. And they say, well, this was this is too easy. Little do they realize uh, a basic fact of topography and geography. There's a there's a hillside right next to him. Couldn't have been closer. And there's a bunch of guys up on that hillside, and they've got guns. And, I mean, these guys make short work of that posse. That whole posse gets wiped out in a volley of rifle fire. They're all dead. 
Sheriff didn't look around him at all. He didn't notice. No, they kept their heads straight down on that dead body and the other guy. Yep, they they fell for it. They that's amateur that's not, posse. Amateur posse. It's not the first time somebody falls for something dumb in this episode. Well, it's the first time, not the last time. All right, now we're back in Anne's apartment, and she is uh, what? Oh, she now we we learned that something bad happened to her husband Ed. He was on trial, and he got hanged. And Ben was the only one in town who didn't want to see Ed hanged. So that's their little past thing that they got going on. Although, according to Nick. He might not have been so sad about seeing this woman's husband hang. Right. He, well, he wasn't so sad that he offered to, like, help her out so she didn't have to become a saloon hooker. Right? Right. Right. Maybe there's some sort of frequent um, customer I mean, thing at the whorehouse and you earn sprinkles. You mean like every- a subway punch card? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he gets to use the private rooms all the time. Every 10th punch card, you get his son. <laughs> I mean, every, every, yeah, I bet that's it. This that's one's Creole. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Right. Isn't little Joe Creole? He is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm well, three supposedly to the whorehouse away from another son. I better get in there. Oh, yeah, I bet you he's not. I bet supposedly he's right. That one day little Joe goes, you know, I think that's my mama. He says, no, son, your Creole couldn't be. Oh, I see. Oh, right. I see. That yeah. was his mother. He almost seduced his own mother. Crazy. Well, so now the hoss is in town. This is now we have a scene where the I think it's the the happy fellow who runs the hardware store is talking about Ben Cartwright. He says we expect him to be up and snorting for the celebration when the sheriff brings in the Morgan gang. I never heard that expression before. Up and snorting. That's a good one. And it's it's a uh, it's almost comical how. Um, uh, optimistic everybody in town is about the work of the sheriff and his posse when we already know they're dead. <laughs> and and basically everyone who's a part of that posse is an avowed coward. It yeah. seems like, like Which, you, you know. Oh well, they they're about to get cowardly, but I'm talking about the posse that got wiped out in the out in the. Oh, the one that actually went out there. Yeah, yeah the ones okay. that went. They weren't they weren't cowards. They were just stupid. <laughs> now, Hoss says, oh, everybody's so excited to see Ben. They're popping in on him. Oh, Ben, we love you so much. Ben Cart, we love you, love you, love you. We can't wait for you to get better. Oh, my goodness. And then they find out that, uh, oh, oh, but wait, first, there's a very exciting moment where a fella comes in and he's, and now he says to Ben, he says, Ben, this town hasn't been so worked up since Ed Samuel's trial. Now, he says that right in front of Ed Samuel's widow, and it was one of those real foot-in-your-mouth situations. He was like, hey, wasn't it fun when we hung that guy? Oh, sorry, to his wife. He's in her apartment. Yeah, I wanted one of them to go awkward, but that hadn't been invented. Right. This was 1960. They weren't saying things were awkward. Well, so now the dead posse rides in, slumped over their horses, led by a little Indian boy, which I guess is how you how you deliver dead bodies in those days. <laughs> Find us an Indian boy to ride in all our horses. Because nobody's going to blame him, I guess. Uh, and then uh, th- then we meet the drunk uh, guy who was responsible for Ed Samuels being hung. His, Attorney General Pryor, or a prosecu- he's a prosecutor, Pryor. He's a lawyer who sweet-talked the whole town into hating that, uh, Ed Samuels and hanging him. But now he seems like he's going to stand up for Ben. He's trying to he's trying to be a better better man. And what we understand, oh, yeah, there's a note attached to one of them dead bodies. 
And it says, Carl Morgan says, I'm coming in before sundown to kill Ben Cartwright. Now, uh, Ben and Haas start strategizing. And Ben says, you got to you got to hunt him like a dog. And he comes up with a whole silly plan involving pulling a rope up. Yeah, I had a question about this. Uh, Yeah. But go ahead, please. Well, no, I, I mean, feel like I've seen that trick before where you like you bury a rope under under the dirt. And then when somebody walks over, it, you pull up the rope and what do you, you trip them? Or in this case, you uh, yeah. trip well, it's them, supposed trap to them. it's supposed to clothesline them off their horses is what I was thinking all the oh. time. You know, like the horse is right. But then it turns out in the episode, it's not that at all. People regard a single piece of rope as a barricade that cannot be surmounted in some way. And, and, and then to, to sort of hammer home the, the kind of ridiculousness of that, at the end, uh, heart shot Ben Cartwright just steps under the rope. Yeah. And which left me wondering what was the rope for? Discounting uh, the but, fact that they didn't put a second rope at the other end and the horses could have could just kept on going. Yeah. Right. So their plan is, is we're not going to obstruct the Morgan gang on their way into town. They'll have smooth passage on their way in. But when they're trying to get out, they won't be able to and we'll shoot them. And so uh, Hoss blocks off all the roads with wagons and whatnot. But then this one road, he's just going to block off with about a five foot high rope. And then they're not going to be able to get through that. Here's what I'll tell you. Because now, now you said that, Nick, I feel like I know for sure what happened. In the script, it was supposed to clothesline them off their horses, and the stunt guy showed up and said, well, I mean, that's going to take an extra three hours to figure that out. And they said, well, never mind. Now it's a rope that traps people in inside, because none of the Morgans thought to bring a knife to, like, yeah. cut a rope. Or, or to see in three dimensions. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's it. There were a lot of people have... missing peripheral vision forward vision in this episode just not being able to see things straight in front of them oh uh, yeah well that's sometimes it. that was a problem in the old west yeah so uh okay they've done their strategizing up there and uh and then oh yeah well the whole town now is terrified that the morgans are coming in by around four o'clock and uh and so Hoss goes out to sort of whip up his uh, posse of people to shoot at the morgans once they're trapped and he keeps, basically, people is terrified. And all these people who seemed like they was Ben Cartwright's friend, oh, we love you, Ben, are now running scared. And that chipper fellow who was talking about being up and snorting, now he says, I've got a wife and children to think about. And Hoss says to him, sometimes a man's got to think about something other than himself. Well, he was thinking about his wife and his children, but... Yeah. Yeah. But... But nonetheless, I mean, Haas ain't a, he, he, you wouldn't put him on your debate team, but he, uh, no, but I mean, thank God for his ungovernable rage. I think no kidding. Uh, but, and this guy, he's even, he's throwing money at Haas here. Take some money. I just can't go out there and get involved in a gunfight. And then the doctor's not going to join up either. And then nobody will join up and it gets to be kind of twilight zoney with because the whole town is like a ghost town and every time a, every time it's exact every exactly 15 minutes we get a look at a different clock and a big screaming piece of music Ba-da! every 15 minutes. yeah 
And it's all about abandonment, which is my special charms. I have abandonment tragedy charms on sale this weekend, $19.99. So you can get one that says like a little cell phone, like whoever you call, they're never returning your calls. That's when you have, it's a thinker. But oh, then yeah. and they never text me back. You know, especially no, I was trying to think, how do you, you represent abandonment in the form of a charm on a tragedy bl- bracelet? But that's a good one. A phone that's not a being phone that no, You can't get any you got all these names but nobody's nobody's contacting you back uh-huh. and then then there's one it's a half melted aa medallion for one year of sobriety <laughs> like a dolly painting oh, oh it's so sad but it happens all the time <laughs> yeah so yeah at at what you've been sober for a year, they give you a medallion, and but this one's half melted because what somebody just said fuck it and held it up to yes, a lighter. Yes, they just uh-huh. said, "Oh, who gives a shit?" I didn't mean to swear, but you know, yeah. they just said, "I'm," you know, because some people just die of alcoholism. They you because it's it's apparently it's a disease. Well, uh, yeah, well, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, but they're just plastic. You know, they're not like a, a, a valuable medallion. So, yeah. so then you're just like, I, I stayed sober for this for a year. Like, bullshit. That's bullshit. Yeah. Step up your game. And my, my tragedy charms are are 14 karat uh, gold plated. True story. Wow. I was once walking my dog. And <laughs> this is Dalton Wilcox talking. It was trash day, and I did see a shoebox full of those medallions out at the curb. <laughs> oh, that's the AA killer. He goes around killing people who are trying to get sober, and he takes their medallions, keeps them in a shoebox. I know all about that guy. Okay, well, Big he liquor. was throwing them out that day. Yeah. Yep. I also curb. have one medallion, and it's it's just a single balloon. And it's, you know, for people, for forgotten birthdays. Mm. It's low, it's lower on the tragedy, but it still hurts. A forgotten birthday? You betcha. Can that balloon look like it's, um, you know, mostly running out of air? You know what I mean? Yes. Sad. That's a great design element. I'll Maybe put it's it in on a, with uh, the next yeah. batch sent from China. <laughs> it's on a string that's making a, a U shape, like like it's a helium balloon that's sort of hovering at about eye level. <laughs> that's what I like. That's the Every, same kind of balloon. Everything I have is sold in America, made somewhere else. Oh yeah. Uh, I want one of those balloons that's just hanging at eye level, but it's mylar, so reflective, and you can just see how it's just you and you're alone. You know? Catch sight of yourself in your one and only dying helium balloon. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now. Today's my birthday. I'm also alone up here in Nevada. Oh, shoot. I forgot. Yeah, that's well, right. too late to wish you a happy birthday. Yeah, now. don't do it. Don't do it. Well, you know, a little warning for next year. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, you got I'm it. good. <laughs> I feel great. I'll write it down. All right. Uh, what do we got here? Okay. So what's it? a horse is trying to get up a bunch of people to <laughs> to shoot these Morgans. Nobody will do it. Finally, the one guy that steps forward is the drunken prosecutor who hung Ed Samuels. And uh, he go he comes in. And then we have a little scene with Ben and Anne where she's changed out of her whore clothes into regular attire. And he says, you look real homelike now. That's a nice compliment for a lady. Uh, because they shut down the saloon yeah. today. 
Yeah. And and like I could bring you home now, but yeah. I won't. I won't. You look almost like uh, you're fit to be brought home and help me raise the son that we had together. But Almost. It ain't, ain't <laughs> right. yeah. And she, she had to have known how to do a proper bed bath. Like oh, any. Like any, a sponge bath. He, yeah. Good point. Because she was caring for him. Yeah. Luckily, the, the doctor managed Poor to get hospice. that. Yeah, the doctor managed to get that bullet out of his heart, but the doctor makes it clear multiple times he cannot move. He do not move him. He cannot move. It's a plot device. You cannot move him. Cannot move. I'll tell you two things that would have been great. If if the moment that Ben was shot, somebody said, hey, go get Adam and little Joe. They can't be more than <laughs> half a mile away. A block. A block away. I'm like a block away by now. Or if it had been possible to move Ben. Those would be two things that would have been great if they'd been possible. But yeah, because how much later we, we is know Hoss isn't going to think of that. No. How Hoss. much later is it that Ben is up and gunning? Is it just a day? Well, yeah, or less. He he, <laughs> he can't. I think it might be less than a day. Yeah, yeah, it's less. It's less than a day. I think the attack must have happened before noon, because the, and the clock is counting down every fifteen minutes till four o'clock. It was low noon. You know, low noon. I wanted to ask this. Yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, I don't know how someone could find this out, mm. but um, if this came out before this movie, High Noon. With oh. Gary Cooper, because that I think that movie ripped this off. It must but, have, let me take. Can a you look. go to your uh, IMDb yeah. book? And yeah, because what what year is this? This is uh, nineteen fifty nine. High noon's nineteen fifty two. It isn't Ooh. stealing if it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, I still I know what the numbers say, but I think the movie High Noon ripped this off from Bonanza. Absolutely, because also this is taking this shootout's taking place at what time? Four o'clock. Yeah, so exactly. it can't be the same thing. It's nowhere near noon. No, nope. it's no. They changed here. it for the movie so they couldn't get sued, and then yeah. made the movie a couple years before. Yeah. Well, no, clearly that this up. pilot was written years before High Noon, and then the movie got made based on this same idea, and then they said, yep. "Oh yeah, let's use this for Bonanza. Get rid of two Cartwrights. We're good." That's yep. the smartest way to get around being accused of stealing something is go ahead and put it out seven years before the thing you're stealing. <laughs> Smart bastards. Well, okay, so now we have a funny little scene where Hoss and the drunk uh, show up to tell Ben everything's going to be great, even though it's just <laughs> the two of them. And the lawyer comes up with a beautiful legalistic way. He, he manages to figure out a way to not lie but make Ben believe that the whole town is gearing up to fight the Morgans. He says something like, everybody's going to do what they said they would, or something like that. <laughs> he's he's smart, that fellow. He, and, and so Ben thinks everybody's coming to his rescue, but uh, couldn't be further from the truth. Well, then we get to uh, uh, Hoss and the drunk is setting up all their various little kind of Ewok tricks around town. <laughs> <laughs> to take down the Morgans. And man, this is one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a television show when you it's get so to good. see Hoss tie a knot. I mean, they let you see every second of it. They don't cut forward at all. They don't compress that time one bit. There And there is not a lick of music to distract you. He ties a knot around a, a <laughs> barrel or a keg or something like that. 
and then the drunk uh, buries the rope in the road, and you see every second of it. And then they pull it up like on a pulley up high, and you understand that when it comes time, the more when it comes time for that rope, somebody's going to have to like manipulate that pulley, and that rope is going to come up to about eye level, right? Awesome. Yeah, and that- go ahead. Go no, ahead. no. Well, well, it, I think it was meant to be a cast iron stove oh. acting as ballast. But you could clearly see the seams in the plastic where it had been put together <laughs> w- during that that really I mean it's pretty stylish like you're saying the unbroken wonder of tying that rope to the the stove beyond which it looked like it weighed about you know a pound. <laughs> This director was a visionary in so many ways. In fact, I'm going to share my screen here because look at the just this composition of Haas here. With the, <laughs> we can put this on our Instagram. There's oh, yeah. a sign cut off right next to him here that just says ass. Huge sign that says ass. <laughs> and then look, look at the reflection. It says resta, rest a ass. <laughs> he knows what he's doing, Joseph Kane. Man, well, there is a moment where the uh, when the Morgans ride into town, they ride meaningfully past the uh, Undertaker and Embalmers uh, storefront. Mm. They ride past that. And you really have time to read it. They they give you time. Well, uh, shortly after they set up their uh, stove rope gag, that's when uh, Mr. Pryor says, forget it, I'm out. He chickens out, and he goes to the saloon, and he delivers a speech. I have this clip ready to show you want to see this clip? Yeah. It's lo- the reason I wanted to show this is because I know that Nick over there will, uh, he's real good at writing speeches. And I wanted to say, if he, if you ever wrote a speech anywhere as near as good as what this, this drunkard says here in the bar. I'm a deserter just as you are. Oh, yeah. Shut up, Pryor. Bartender, give me another drink. Help me to drown my soul as my friends have succeeded in doing. The surcease they find in this is only fleeting. Surcease. You ever hear that word before? I never have. Surcease. And all their tomorrows, they'll awaken to new pangs of conscience. On ABC Family. Why don't you shut up? That's you the only thing the other guys can think to say to him. And shut you up. cheered while he died. Well, now, gentlemen, it's you who are the executioners. You're letting good men die when you could save them. You were out there. Why ain't you out there now? I was afraid. Just like you, gentlemen, I was afraid. You're hiding, gentlemen. You're hiding from yourself, and you're running. You'll never be able to stop, because you can't hide within yourself. There he goes. And then he grabs a rifle, and nobody knows where he's headed with that rifle. Well, did I hear that right? Was, was he remonstrating the other men for letting him kill a man? He said, you let me hound an innocent man to death. Yeah. And then, it, am I right that he ripped off Shakespeare somewhere in there? Something about tomorrow and tomorrow? Oh, what do you say, Mutt? I know you've read some Shakespeare. Yeah, but I don't recognize that. Well, let me look it up. What What did you say it was? Tomorrow and tomorrow. Well, he said... Tomorrow and tomorrow, and and I think that's from Macbeth. Uh, well, yeah. Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow. That's, that's the Macbeth. one with all the killing. 
That's right. Yeah, uh-huh. you're absolutely right. It's from oh. Macbeth. Creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last day. syllable of recorded time. And oh, all our man. yesterdays have lighted fools. That's good. Write that down. Yeah. yeah. See that? Shakespeare stole that from Mr. Pryor from Bonanza. And he did that by writing it roughly 400 years earlier. So now we know this, this pilot existed in the late 1500s at least. Yeah. Man, man, oh man. All right. Well, so uh, that's a real good speech. And yeah, you're right. He says, you let me. I think I actually wrote that down. I, I, I thought I, that jumped out of me, too. What does he say? You let me howl an innocent man to death. <laughs> yeah, that's a serious accusation. That's the great thing about any of the writing on Bonanza. It can't be used in an actor's monologue out of context. Oh, yeah, that's right. You try to do that to audition for acting school, they'll say, we just don't understand you. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't happen. So now he takes off, and then we see uh, Ann and Ben, and um, the doctor seems to get his nerve back. Hey, there's a weird little scene here. Did I? Did we already pass that by? Uh, where the, the, the fella, the hardware store, the chipper guy who wants to see some snorting, his wife is basically looking at him like he's a coward. And he goes, I'm not afraid. And he runs outside like he's going to join the fight. But then you never see that guy again. He doesn't join. The, I don't know where he went. I don't know. I think he just left home. He just he said, I'm not afraid. And then he just <laughs> settled up. That's like the old version of I'm going out to get a pack of cigarettes and you never come home. It's, it's I'm going to join the posse. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a posse. I'm going to join it because I'm not a coward. So long, lady. I didn't say which posse. <laughs> or whether it had been formed yet or ever would. <laughs> so, uh, okay, in come the Morgans. They want the town to hand over Ben or they're going to go door to door and shoot everyone there. And that's when uh, the doctor, who has got his nerve back, pulls the rope trick and now they're trapped. They're trapped behind a rope. And Haas shoots off one of their hats. And that's it, man. Now we got a hell of a shootout. And yeah. we find out that the drunken prosecutor is up there with his rifle. And he kills somebody and then gets killed himself. He falls on a rubber roof. Well, in those days, they made roofs out of rubber in case somebody was going to fall out of a window. <laughs> you know, because in those days, they didn't have screens. So the chances of falling out a window was higher and it happened all the time. So the roofs had to be made out of rubber. Yeah. And they thought that when it rains is better for the droplets to just bounce back up into the sky. Yep. Rather than get in the soil. That's science. Yep. So uh, then what? Uh, Hoss is firing at people. And well, now Ben has figured out, hey, they lied to me. Uh, I'm in trouble. I better get out of this bed and take my gun with me and do some shooting my damn self. And so he does that, and he's a real good shot. And then, oh, Pryor, he ha- Pryor has a little death speech to the whore, to Anne. He says, he says something like, hey, uh, forgive me for killing your husband. And then he expires. Is that the one you're talking about? That It's like he just fell asleep? Yeah, he says something about, you know, not feeling his senses anymore. He can't feel anger. Let the anger go. It's very philosophical. But then I'm certain he does not die, but just comfortably falls asleep. Yeah. He goes down for an afternoon nap. Yeah. That'll happen with a drunk. <laughs> well, now, uh, I believe it's Haas who kills the second-to-last Morgan brother, and that's it. Carl Morgan, leader of the Morgan gang, is the last one left. And he calls out to Ben Cartwright, face me man-to-man. And Ben Cartwright 
he he says to Hoss, who's standing next to him at that point, he says, smart move. He can't argue. That's a smart move. Draw me out for a man-to-man shootout. And he can't resist. Code of the West. He's got to do it. So here comes Ben Cartwright. I got this clip. He's been shot through the heart, and he is uh, uh, defying doctor's orders, moving around out there. And it's going to be a gunfight. So now I got to figure out a second time how to share my screen. You would think having just done it, I might have learned how to do it. Okay. Uh, You got it? Got it. Is that it? That ain't it. That's the one we just saw. Here comes. Ready? Oh, yeah. Here he is by the rope. It's it's about uh, up to his midsection. This is like a little boy going from the shallow end to the deep end of the pool. <laughs> it's kind of like what's happening here with this rope. <laughs> oh, boy. Steadies himself against a lamppost. And that, look at that shot. That's a classic shot. That's real high noon. Ben guns down Carl. Here we go. Billy. I tried, Billy. (laughs) Oh, now, what is it about that that bothers me so much? I, it seems like... He he doesn't even... Yeah, diagnose the problem. Go, you start, Nick. Well, it just, I thought this when I saw it, that, that it doesn't look like he's even hurt at all by the way he talks and raises his head. It, he doesn't even have a sweat on his brow. He he lifts his head and very calmly says those lines and then very calmly puts his head down. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it kind of supports much theory about falling gently asleep. Yeah, it's like he's been drunk or, or put to sleep with laudanum but there's a look on his face and he kind of bobs his head like he's going to collapse so uh, physically i believe he's struggling vocally i believe he's just fine and living any day as the next you know i see what you mean i don't know what it is i think he might not be uh playing the same character anymore for those <laughs> lines as well might be part of my issue he seems like it's a it's a different man Something's going on there, but part it's of a, the problem, I think, is that you can't have a body villain, snatch. You can't have a villain named Carl. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Carl is not the scariest name out there, is it? No. Well, and maybe he knew he had everlasting life insurance, oh. which is I am a I am the district salesperson for the first um, where I sell you life insurance that you never stop paying for. Even after you die, because you don't die. That's the whole thing. Oh, I see. It's life insurance for people that believe in eternal life. It never yeah, we shall. Uh, you shall always live. You have to just leave eternal behind life insurance. A, a really big escrow account, or how's that? How's that work? Yes. Wow. I mean, if you believe. Yeah. Yeah. You surrender all your assets over. I never thought about that. Uh, from when a Christian buys life insurance, it's hypocritical. You got to believe. You believe in everlasting life, man. I never thought about it. so many things. I never thought about before in my life. Yeah, you ever see a Christian with a Band-Aid on it? You know you're dealing with a liar. <laughs> yeah, goddamn Band-Aid wearing Christians. Well, so uh, what do we got here now? So he's dead. 
There's something else I was going to say about that, but uh, oh yeah, that shot. I don't think we've ever seen that before on Bonanza. The classic holster height uh, shot down at the other guy from the point of view of like Ben Cartwright's ass. It stares <gasps> ass in the sign. Oh, that's what it ass is. is a major, major symbol of this episode. I think you're right. And that's it. He's dead. And that's when the cowards all stream out of the bar. And they don't know what to say. And they just kind of sheepishly hit on home. And ben, Ben's kind of last thought of the episode. He's rem Hoss reminds him of the people who did come to his aid. And he says, yep, there are men who do as much as they can. Makes up for the rest. And that's uh, we're left with that thought. And that's it. That's Ooh. the end of that episode. Hmm. Holy shit. That was, that was one of the better ones. Yeah. Powerful. It was powerful. Hey, Mutt, did you think it was similar in some ways to Magnificent Seven? And did you see that? Did you feel that well, way? I mean, well just made? because you got a little bit of mission prep where they're setting yeah. up a rope and all that kind of stuff where the bandits are going to come to town. But I think I think Nick's right that it's a little bit more high noon there. But maybe it's just a happy blend of both, you know? Yeah, I think it goes from Magnificent Seven to high noon in like the last five minutes. Yeah, and we should mention that this is a rare episode. We got to put it on the board of a woman character who does not die, so far as we know. She was alive at the. Wow. Well, maybe we can assume not, even though we didn't see her death. A stray bullet took her. Yeah, this I just assumed she was a goner. Hmm. Oh. This episode is all about cowardice. And that's what. Um, What's important is you start a savings account so that if ever you don't want to do something because you're afraid mm -hmm. of risking your life, you've got money to throw at it. <laughs> That's Just a good like idea. Rick, the guy. Just like Mr. Martin there in the hardware store. Is that what you're saying? I don't want to be. Yes. yes. I don't want to be in this place. I'm going to throw somebody at it. The best part, too, is that the money he was throwing was money that Ben had loaned him in the past. He wasn't even coughing up any money of his own. He's saying, I'm not going to risk my life for that guy, but I'll give him back some of the money he gave me that I've been sitting on here in my cash register all this time. What town was this, by the way? I think it must have been Virginia City, right? Really? You don't think so? I know, maybe. I just didn't hear him mention it. I was well, saying. at some point, one of them said, he's not even from this town. And I thought, well, that's a fair point. The, the You know what I mean? The Cartwrights don't actually live in Virginia City. But what are the rules there then? Like, um, it, it, Ben's not from this town, so we don't need to stand up with him. But but the the bandits are from this town, so, so we got to let them do what they want. Because did, didn't they say something early in the episode that, like, these guys rob this town all the time? That's true. Ben said, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that the Morgans are riding into town because they've been terrorizing this uh, town for a long time. It's funny, too, that everybody is so scared of facing the Morgans. But when it comes down to it, it's just two guys, one of whom has been shot through the heart, that take out the whole gang. <laughs> and a rope. And like, a rope. Yeah, and a rope. <laughs> seems like maybe it wouldn't have been that hard to, to have done at any other time in the past. I don't know. Especially yeah, it's probably like anything else. Yeah. What? What'd you, what? What were you going to say there, Amy? Uh, especially uh, when I, you have a, a a gun, and that's for you know, like a family gun. Yeah. Well, Cartwrights have a lot of family guns. What were you going to say family there, Nick? Guns. 
yeah, he's he's waving me off. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, all right. That's season one, episode thirteen, Vendetta. And uh, now, uh, guys, it breaks my heart every time I have to say this, but there is only four hundred eighteen episodes of Bonanza oh, left God. for us to discuss on this podcast. <sighs> I don't. I, it's coming too soon. The end is coming too damn soon. Yeah, it's yeah. like when you get to the end of the Bible. You just say, when's the next part coming? Yeah. yeah. Bible 2. <gasps> yeah. When? Sure. Yeah, it's in Deadline. Oh, really? Yeah. Deadline says Bible 2 is coming out? Yeah, the book of Jesus. Fantastic. <laughs> well, Nick, uh, we can't thank you enough for being here. Is there anything uh, you want to plug or tell us about that's coming up we can watch for or something? Uh, you, know, you know what I mean. Um... No. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I, I don't I don't like to advertise writing, so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh what 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 do you what do you got planned for later in the day? Just uh get back to drinking? Um yeah, I'll probably get back to drinking. Uh I've been I've actually been writing a oh, fuck. Oh. I've been um manipulating the alphabet towards <laughs> a podcast. Since everything's been so, you know, uh, shut down, uh, I don't know why, uh, basically all year. So I was figuring if I manipulated the alphabet for something that just took people talking into microphones, Mm -hmm. there might be some money in that. Well, I don't know about money, but it's something to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Keep you busy. Oh, you know this is making a shit ton of money. <clears throat> yeah, they just ain't giving it to us. But no, I don't know. You know, it's a podcasting is a get rich slow scheme. <laughs> but all right, uh, anything you want to plug there, <laughs> Mutt, Mutt Taylor? No, I just been up here at the shipping container at the North Shore in Nevada, and I've been doing a little whittling. You know, where you just carve things with a pocket knife. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, okay, good. All right, so look out for that, folks. Mutt yep. Taylor's Whitland. How about you, Amy Sleverson? My Bible will be coming out uh, this Sunday. Uh, I just have to do a search, word search, and find and replace a bunch of the names for, and I'm just going to change every name to Diane. What a great <laughs> idea. See if you can keep, keep uh, the numbers out of the bottom corner of the pages. Uh, yeah. See if you can do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Infuriating. We'll it's all wrong. Simple. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, next time you listen to this podcast, we'll be talking about episode 14 because it's the one that comes after 13. All right, folks. Thanks so much for checking it out. So long. Bananas for Bonanzas brought to you by Andy Daly with Maria Bamford and Matt Gordon. Theme song by Matt Gordon with The Journeyman, which in this case are Mark McConville, Daniel Nuchikoff, and Wade Ryan. Special thanks to our gang on the ground, Josh Richmond and Shannon Locke. Bananas for Bonanza is produced by Ryan Connor and Matt Gordon, and executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bennett. We'll see you next time.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.